uh, did die or potentially died, uh, like on the airplane ride from Germany, you know, uh, I quit breathing. I just, everything stopped. And then the RT, you know, the respiratory tech, he brought me back, they brought me back, they bagged me all the way from, you know, wherever we were in the air into the San Antonio airport on the ambulance into the, the ER at uh, San Antonio Military Medical Center. I mean, all that stuff was just, you know, during that time, I don't know what was going on in my dream, but I remember there was somebody that came and talked to me at some point. And it wasn't distorted, it wasn't. It was a man. It was a big man. He didn't seem mean or angry or anything, but he talked to me. I don't remember what was said, but he said everything was gonna be okay. I believe you. I don't think I've shared that with anybody. As this veteran's comments illustrate, Thousands of veterans who have had unusual experiences still don't understand what has happened to them. There is a critical gap in care that leaves these veterans confused and often adrift. Veterans care providers are very familiar with PTS and traumatic brain injuries, but there is a third hidden issue called near-death experience, or NDE, and it is frequently intertwined and confused with the other two. I first learned about near-death experiences um, from a patient in Vietnam. I didn't know it was a near-death experience at the time because it was 1969 and we didn't really talk about it or have anything written. But he called me over to his bed in the middle of the night one night and started to tell me about this experience he had when he was injured. He remembered floating out of his body and going up to some other place, um, seeing uh, de departed loved ones that he had known. Uh, he saw other spirits of soldiers he was with, and, and it was very strange for him. He was looking around. He said, I don't know if I'm dead. I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, and so for him, this was intensely emotional and he kept saying, this is the realest thing I've ever had happen to me. So I turned to look at my arm, and what I see is my shirt flat. And I'm going, well, where'd my arm go? And I look down, and my uh, hand is resting on top of my boot. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's not right. That's, uh, that's not right. So I reached down and picked my arm up. And um, looking around, and that's when uh, this... Uh, black and white checkered clouds started to come over to me buzzing. I couldn't figure out what it was, but I knew that if it completed the horizon, it'd kill me. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out what it is. And that's when my training, military training kicked in and I realized I'm going into shock. And then in my mind, I composed a message burst. You know, God, I'm bleeding to death here. I'm 19. I'm really scared. The medic can't do anything. Nobody can get to me. I'm dying. 
I'm just absolutely, please help, please, wherever you are, spare me a minute. I need help. And I reached down and in my mind, I hit the transmit button. And the minute I sent that message out, I was jerked out of my body. And it was so fast, it was blink of an eye, it was over. And I'm floating in a cloud-like area with clouds around me. And I'm trying to figure out what happened. It seemed like I was hovering over my body during my surgery. Uh, it was really weird. It's like I could see my body, and you know, and I was thinking, "Wow, that's me! What are they doing to me?" And I'm trying to figure out where I'm at, and then this feeling came comes to me, and it's uh, a feeling. Now I know it was unconditional love. It felt like it was the I was it was the end of the life of the universe, and I was so precious that I was being loved, held, and cradled by every mother that ever lived, everywhere, every when, all at once. And I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't believe what I was experiencing. He said, I know you don't understand, Glenn. He said, uh, this will help you understand. And way off in the distance, a light went on. And the light came around and made it elliptical orbit, and as it made the turn, I'm thinking, this thing's getting bigger. And it, as it turned, it started, it started off, and it just got huge. And I thought I was going to fly into it. And it, it got all around, and it stopped, and there's streamers of white light, just beautiful white transparent light just streaming out. I'm seeing this golden white light, beautiful, magnificent, gigantic pouring out energy. Um, so all this stuff is happening. I'm seeing these things. And then uh, it closed. This happened very quick. It closed. And then the, the sun went away. And as it went away, it got smaller. It went off and disappeared. And at the same time that it goes off and disappears, I feel myself moving backwards at a low rate of speed, but faster. And the very last words, were spoke to me with, now you know, Glenn, and boom, and I was back in my body. These are dramatic, perceptual, detailed, compelling experiences that regardless of education or religious background are taken as real by those who have them. These experiences are very common. They are not produced by prior religiosity. They're not produced by the spiritual inclinations of the client. They are not related to education. And this sample was better educated than the general population. None of the conventional explanations fit these experiences. It's time to change how we deal with them. I think it's critically important that military service members and veterans know that it's okay to talk about experiences that are outside the box of military thinking, because these types of experiences have tremendous capability of providing healing and comfort. I think it would be a tremendous benefit to the military and the VA to recognize NDEs in their um, service members. We would be able to help them help themselves if we could support them and let them own their own experiences. And there's all kinds of issues that they sometimes have 
that would be rectified. And of course, if we were able to do these kinds of things, it would save the VA money, it would save everybody money because there might be less time that they're there, and certainly they would have a better quality of care. So what is a near-death experience? Here is a brief definition. A near-death experience is a profound psychological event which transcends ordinary experience. It may occur to a person close to death or in a situation of physical or emotional crisis. Being in a life-threatening situation does not by itself constitute an NDE. Although NDEs transcend ordinary experience, they are normal and fairly common, especially among combat veterans. They also present a recognizable pattern of common features. Some of the characteristics of a near-death experience are the sense of lifting out of your body, the sense of having a separation of pain, um, seeing departed loved ones, seeing uh, other spiritual beings, um, feeling a sense of complete joy, being surrounded by a, a just a bright, bright light that is indescribable, and um, feeling the sense of peace and love. Um, people will talk about it's all about love. It's the most content they'd ever felt. And um, so many of those things come together, uh, and they'll tell you about the sense also of going back into their body. Um, they see different colors when they're on the other side. They hear different music, none of which we have here. And uh, so it's a very, very um, extraordinary experience. There are about 15 characteristics. They're universal for all cultures. And uh, you can have one or you can have five or 15 and still have a near-death experience. Most NDEs are reassuring, but not all of them are pleasant. Some have frightening content. Um, sometimes people have um, an unpleasant experience or experience that doesn't conform in every way to what they were told, to, to thought, what they thought was going to happen in a near-death experience. And they wonder, why didn't I have that type of blissful experience? Is something wrong with me? One of the places that I was in this dream or in that, you know, reality, whatever you want to call it, it was, <clears throat> I don't know, it looked like something out of a horror movie, but it, the, the, it was like there was this big, dark well, and you knew it had to be an abyss, or you knew it had to be bottomless at some point. And I kept thinking, I can't fall in that hole. I don't want to fall in that hole, because I could just imagine me, you know, like falling forever and ever and ever. Shiloh's distressing NDE was later followed by more positive experiences. Whether pleasant or challenging, soldiers and veterans who feel compelled to hide their NDEs may experience greater difficulties. It's harmful for people not to talk about things that are profoundly important to them because you're having to repress it. Repression in one's life is not a good thing. It inhibits you from uh, developing. It inhibits you from learning the lessons that you need to deal with. Um, you go suppressing information like this, and, and uh, your body is going to start objecting to it. Most people who have near-death experiences are fairly unprepared for them. 
and the experience itself is, is quite a shock and requires quite an adjustment. And they often feel a need to talk to people about this. And the type of response they get has a lot to do with how they adjust to the experience afterwards. If they get the message either overtly or covertly that this is a sign of mental illness or that they should not dare talk about this to people, um, they sometimes feel very badly about themselves and about having had this experience and become isolated and alienated from other people. Um, beyond that, there are problems that people sometimes have within themselves uh, about the experience. For example, they may feel that uh, because they no longer think and feel the way their peers do, maybe there's something wrong with them. Veterans have some very unique and special issues because they're in a totally different environment. The military is a culture in itself, and thousands of these veterans have had near-death experiences, but they are very afraid to talk about them. Some of the reasons that uh, service members don't disclose their uh, experience is um, they just don't know if they're going to be believed or if everybody's going to think they're crazy or be labeled this or that. As far as the feelings of having to suppress it, it was more than just concerned about the military because I had no words spoken to me when I was in the light. And when it ended, it was over and I was devastated that I just lost the greatest love I'll ever know. And, uh, and I, had, I was not given any answers. Uh, and then when I went to the church to ask for help, I didn't get any answers there. So I felt like I got kicked out of heaven because I didn't get to stay. And then four days later, I got kicked out of the church too. So I'm like, that's it. I'm not talking about this anymore. I got angry is what happened. And uh, I got very angry. I didn't even, and I was grieving. And I didn't even understand that for over a decade that I was grieving the loss of the greatest love I'll ever know. Um, and I just really didn't under, even, even understand that for the longest time. Uh, but I was very angry and I just walked away from all of it. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with the church. And I just focused on my job in the military and went and did that. Uh, but it created problems that come out in other ways. And it ended up costing me a marriage. There was alcohol abuse. And it was just, it was not good. Uh, it was very difficult to adapt. And if they're not able to talk about it and they feel that they have to suppress it, then we run the same dangers we see in post-traumatic stress disorder, where if they're able to talk about something that they've seen that is stressful for them, research shows that post-traumatic stress disorder, the chance of them having it is diminished. And in the same way, if our veterans are able to talk about something unusual that happened to them when they were exposed to death, or their life was at risk, or they actually experienced sudden cardiac death, died and came back, then there's a better chance that they can integrate that and not have negative feelings associated with it. PTS and NDEs have similar roots in life-threatening or traumatic experiences. Many service members have both PTS and NDEs, although they are distinctly different. The difference between, from what I experienced, the post-traumatic stress versus the trauma of having had a spiritual experience and having to come back here, uh, very similar in some ways, but they're different too. Um, just because for the post-traumatic stress one, when I was in the plane, the second day when we did the refly, uh, I didn't have any feelings of peace, joy, 
comfort when I was in the like I was when I was in the light, and I didn't have that anxiety of immediately happening to me uh, when the light went away. I just was in grief because I just lost a great a great love. But when I was having the refly the next day, <clears throat> it was raw terror. There's a difference. Uh, intense anxiety, deep fear, and that <clears throat> that wasn't the same thing I had. It's a different kind of stress, a different kind of trauma. It's more grief related uh, and just missing home and those kind of things. Well, the other one is just terror of not being killed and not existing anymore. I now know that no matter what happens to my body, I will never stop existing. I don't have a belief system in an afterlife. I have absolute knowing. I was there. So I don't have to believe anything. I know. Oftentimes when I have clients who may have had post-traumatic stress disorder, in the process of talking about symptoms and what they're experiencing, I will explore a little bit more to say, did you have any unusual experiences that you think are unique to you or different than other people may have experienced? Most of the time they'll say no, but there have been occasions where people say, well, I had this thing and I think I was crazy, but I don't know. And that's when we start exploring the possibility of a near-death experience or a spiritually transformative experience. Uh, sometimes doctors or healthcare workers who hear from a patient about a near-death experience will mistake this for a sign of mental illness. And they may be tempted to try to medicate this. And that does not make the near-death experience go away. Whereas medication will help someone get over a psychotic episode, um, it will not change the near-death experience. What it will do, perhaps, is give somebody the side effect of the medications, but it will not change their thinking that the NDE was a real event. Veterans with PTS may become fearfully hypervigilant, have flashbacks, nightmares, and hallucinations, avoid being reminded of the traumatic event, and may be helped by medication. On the other hand, veterans with NDEs may lose all fear of death, have unusual spiritual experiences, long to re-experience the transcendent event, and they are not helped by medication. It's not just about PTSD, it's about the whole human being. We're not just dealing with, you know, this person just went to war, okay? If we don't understand the human being, I don't see how you even have a strong um, fighting community. Another source of confusion is that NDEs are often mistaken for hallucinations associated with mental illness. Because the things people experience in an NDE sound superficially like hallucinations or illusions or delusions, they can be confused with types of mental illness. But they are very different in terms of their after effects. Um, most forms of mental illness leave people feeling impoverished, um, emotionally impoverished, more fearful, um, more negative about themselves, more negative about the world. Whereas most near-death experiences leave people feeling better about themselves, feeling richer for having had this experience, feeling better about their place in the world, and feeling better about the world in general. Hallucinations are usually illogical, are seen as unreal, are easily forgotten, and do not change attitudes and values. 
In contrast, NDEs are usually logical, seem more real than real, remain vivid for decades, and may change attitudes and values. The after-effects of NDEs often are not recognized by veterans or their care providers. Some of the after-effects of NDEs are that people become more altruistic, less materialistic. Um, they want to just embrace people and share the love that they felt. Um, they're really anti-violence. They don't like loud noises or bright lights. Um, certainly, these things all would be difficult to be continue in the military uh, with the kinds of violence and lights and noises that would occur. And so I just try to go be love. That's it. Go be love with a divine capital L. That's how I live my life now. And I really don't care what anybody else thinks. That's how I'm going to go live my life because that's what God intended us all to live. And so that's what I try to do on a daily basis. They are different people when they come home and they're going to want to do different things. They have a really um, focus on something that they want to do with their life. And so they become very uh, skilled at looking at those kinds of things. So all the relationship aspect of it is also difficult because a wife expects her husband to come back exactly the same person. And they not only have all the military aspects of it, but they have the NDE aspects of it that are going to make it very different. And there are reports of a very high incidence of um, divorces after a near-death experience when the experiencer has these tremendous changes in values and lifestyle and the spouse doesn't have the same change. And sometimes the marriage doesn't survive that. Careers sometimes don't survive that. Multiple after-effects may impact veterans' lives. For example, following an NDE, people may unexpectedly develop special psychic abilities. These new ways of knowing can be particularly confusing for veterans, their family members, counselors, and others. You know, because there's some things that happen where I can see the line. I mean, I can literally see a little line between this moment and the moment that's coming up. And then I'm like, I saw that coming. You know, I mean, I've always been fairly spiritual, but I, I really feel like I'm connected to another level of something. You know, I, I don't know what it is, not to sound hokey, you know, but it, it's like I see things happen. I see spirits. I see things that other people can't see. I know things that other people don't know. And sometimes I don't even really know that it's happening until it happens or I know that I've dreamed it, or I know that I've seen it. I have learned how to communicate with those that are talking to all of us. And so I, I started learning how to communicate with what I call my guides and say, I'm having this issue, help me. And I would get help instantaneously, it would just happen. Now that was hard for my husband to understand. Um, you know, you just had all these, are you okay? Or do I need to call a doctor and, you know, get you some mental help? And I didn't need that. I actually, um, I just couldn't explain it, how I was getting this help, how I was being assisted and uh, how we're all being assisted. But if you don't have that experience, it's very difficult to understand. If I hadn't had that experience and my husband's telling me this, I would look at him as if he was 
you know, had, had some mental issues, but so I understand I can, I can, uh, sit back and say, you know, you know who I am. We, you know, I've been married for almost 22 years. So by now he should know me. This is obviously new for me. Um, you know, and he did express that he does not understand it, but he's always there to listen. So I can't ask for much more. <laughs> Although many after effects are positive, some after effects may plague veterans for years. You know, uh, when I first started my recovery process after the incubation and you know, after the coma time period, I was scared to sleep because I was scared I wouldn't wake up. For one, two, I was scared that I would be trapped in that, that alternate reality or that realm that I witnessed while I was incubated. So, you know, when I say I was scared I wouldn't wake up, it's not that I was scared of death. It was, I was scared I'd be trapped. You know, I mean, I, I was scared that I would go back there and be stuck there. And I did not want that, ever, because it was scary, dark, cold, helplessness. I mean, all these, you know, things that, that nobody wants in their life, it's all of that, you know, in a capsule. And it's just, uh, there was times that as I was going through my recovery, I never had nightmares about my service. I never had nightmares, well, I shouldn't say never. I may have had nightmares about the explosion, uh, but I just, I don't really remember them or I chose not to remember them. But uh, the most relevant times of, of waking up in sweat or fear was those times when I would wake up after visiting that that reality or that realm of darkness and it was just i'd wake up and not want to go back to sleep although some after effects may be difficult for families in cases where the nde is misdiagnosed the after effects can be devastating for example alma's father who was a fighter pilot in the korean war had a profound nde tragically he was misdiagnosed labeled mentally ill and given shock treatments. I believe the root of my father's problem was that he so much loved this experience that he had with a being of light, as he later would disclose, um, and that he was not believed. It made him angry. It made him sad. And therefore, he drank and was an angry father. I am, for the first time, feeling a great sense of relief just to be here today, to give honor to my father, who was just telling the truth all the time. And he was treated uh, with such uh, disrespect and disbelief and as if he had a mental illness. And we've all, as adult children, I don't think we've ever gotten over that because my father died as an alcoholic and he had great moments in between. I daydream about my father having been listened to. I daydream about him having had a different life. I daydream about all of us having had different lives just from that one simple act 
of him not being listened to and being accused of being mentally ill affected my whole family. And it's ironic. It's, it's sadly and tragically ironic that an experience like the near-death experience, which is so health-promoting for those who have them, and could be health-promoting for those around them if they were allowed to speak freely about it and not be labeled as psychiatrically ill, that that kind of experience can be the event that leads a person to be diagnosed as mentally ill and in need of treatment. It's really sad. Despite many challenges, Veterans and military personnel can be helped if their NDEs are recognized, accepted, and validated by their care providers and others. So all you really have to do is ask in a very open-minded way whether someone's had an experience. And I would start that in a very general way. When someone has come back from a near-death event, say something general like, what do you remember about that event? Or what do you remember before you lost consciousness? And then what do you remember What's the next thing you remember after that? The best advice I can offer to someone who is in the position of caring for our veterans, whether it is a counselor or a physician or a nurse, is to simply be present, uh, to communicate uh, that this is something that happens, to acknowledge that it did happen, uh, to present yourself as someone who is willing to talk about it with them. So often, if we don't understand something, our uh, tendency, our, our reaction is to simply step away or to sidestep it. And, and that's understandable. If you don't understand something, you don't necessarily feel comfortable in talking about it. But what I think is important to realize is we don't need to understand the hows and whys of how what happens during a near-death experience because, well, we don't. We don't understand what happens. But what we do know is that something happened that means something to a veteran. And our sole purpose in that moment is to simply be present, to listen, to normalize it, and offer them an opportunity to talk about it. And when we do that, that's an incredible service to just be present and listen. And it's not required of us to interpret it for them. In fact, we're not qualified to interpret someone's very personal experience. But we are qualified to be present. We're qualified to create space. We're qualified to ask open and honest questions to help the experiencer understand what happened to them and to help them extract meaning from that experience. And they're the only ones who really can extract that meaning and incorporate it. When veterans are allowed to talk about and process their NDEs, their lives can be improved and they are able to function more effectively. So I was having a hard time dealing with some additional baggage that came into life, you know, that we all go through. And so I was at the point where I was really suicidal because I felt like a failure, you know, and I couldn't talk to nobody. And luckily I talked to Father Helsing at St. Ignatius Catholic Church in Austin. And, and for the first time, I told someone what I had gone through in Vietnam. Counseling can often be very helpful to someone who is having trouble adjusting after an NDE. Now, I should say that most near-death experiencers do not require any counseling. They're adjusting just fine to life after the NDE. But for those who are having difficulty, it may help to talk with a counselor about 
what specific things are giving you trouble with this? Is it your relationship to your family, to your friends? Is it the way your lifestyle is structured? Is it your job? Um, is it the role you find yourself in back in life? We find that many near-death experiences get at least as much help from talking to other experiencers as they do from a professional counselor. And in fact, it's often very helpful to have groups of near-death experiencers talk together, share their experiences about what actually happened to them in the NDE and how they have adjusted to the, the problems uh, coming back to life afterwards. Learning about NDEs can help those veterans who have had them. But learning about NDEs may help other service members and veterans as well. Even those who have not had these experiences, if they heard freely about them from those who have, would themselves be helped in terms of the things that they struggle with psychologically and spiritually in terms of combat and their experiences in combat. I have on numerous occasions used the near-death experience to help veterans uh, in grief, in um, terminal illness, uh, what it's going to be like to die, end-of-life situations, uh, losing children, um, veterans who have been compromised in some way. And it was always very helpful for them to see that this is not the end, that this goes on. And uh, near-death experiences, when you study them and know them for many years, um, give everybody phenomenal information. The military perhaps could benefit by detailing success stories of healing that has taken place from veterans and from active duty military personnel who have had the courage to step forward and say, I went to the other side, this was my experience, and look how it has healed me. Society is slowly moving to the point where we accept that. So the military actually many times is at the tip of the spear. If we can step forward and lead this charge and say, all right, if there's healing here, we're at least willing to address this issue and see, is there something to this that will help our valued service members to heal, to not take their own lives, to not feel guilty, then we need to be looking at that. Being able to tell my whole story now is cathartic in many ways. Uh, I'm much more relaxed. I'm, I'm more open. I'm more loving, kind. Um, and I have no fear of that anymore uh, or worrying about some, what, what someone else might think. And so uh, I don't know about health-wise. I, I would think if you're not living in anxiety, you're going to be and you're more comfortable with who and what you are. You're just naturally going to have a healthier life. I know in the last year or so, my health has dramatically improved. I did struggle for years. I still struggle to a certain degree, but not like that. Uh, and I'm able to, I'm actually for the first time going to be able to play golf with my son. And I'm really thrilled about that. <laughs>